Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Often in the New Testament, we hear about a group of people that were considered rejects and outcasts. A group of people called the Samaritans. Now this word Samaritan keeps popping up in different places through the New Testament. And Jesus often had a very special message that he wanted to convey through every context of the Samaritans. So who were these people? Why were they so hated and why were they so rejected? How does that relate to us today? And what are the Gospels telling us through Jesus' interaction with the Samaritans? That's what we're going to look into today. So to understand the origins of the Samaritans, we need to go back into the days of the kings of Israel. Now, King Solomon was a powerful king and he ruled over the nation of Israel. But in the 10th century BC, his son Rehoboam made some foolish decisions. And this led to the split of the kingdom into a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom of Judah. And each had its own king and its, and its own history after that. Now, after the separation of Judah and Israel in the 9th century, King Omri of the Northern Kingdom bought a hill called Samaria from a person called Shemer. This is in 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 24. You can refer to that if you like. He built there a city of Samaria and he called it the capital of the Northern Kingdom, while Jerusalem continued to be the capital for the Southern Kingdom. In the 7th century, the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrians under a king called Sargon and many of the people were led captive to Assyria. But some of them remained in the land. And several years later, the next king of Assyria brought inhabitants from Babylon and resettled them in the cities of Samaria instead of the original inhabitants. So what happened was a lot of captives were taken away out of Samaria and a lot of new people were brought in to inhabit Samaria. Second Kings chapter 17 verses 24 tells us, Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath and from Sepharim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and they dwelt in their cities. These people began to mingle with the few Israelites that were already there. And they produced a half-Israel, half-Gentile breed of people that became known as the Samaritans. Now, these strangers, or Samaritans, as they were called, had their own ideology and their own way of worship. When they began, they were not sure what kind of worship they should follow. And Second Kings chapter 17, verse 25 onwards, it tells us about how when they began living there, that the Lord, they did not fear the Lord, and therefore the Lord sent lions among them. And the people of the land understood that unless they learned to worship the Lord, that they would be attacked by these lions. So the king of Assyria actually sent priests to teach these people the ways of God and how to fear the Lord. And in verse 33, it says, They feared the Lord, yet they served their own gods, according to the rituals of the nations among whom they were carried away. So the Samaritans as the people began to form their own way and their own form of worship. 
Now around this time, the kingdom of Babylon falls and the Persian Empire comes into power. King Cyrus allows the Jews to return back to the land from where he had taken them captive and says, go back and rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the temple. Now when the exiles were coming back, the Samaritans dwelling in the land were ready to welcome them back. But the exiles despised the Samaritans and treated them as outcasts, as renegades. And when the Samaritan says, we want to join with you in building the temple, the, their assistance was rejected by the Jews who returned. Now, with this first rejection, the Samaritans began to, take, to look at other ways of stopping the Jews. And they began to oppose all the efforts to rebuild the temple. And they began to cause problems for Nehemiah and for Ezra and for the Jews who had returned from their captivity. This was the beginning of a long-lasting hatred between Jews and Samaritans. To the Jew, a Samaritan was more than just a Gentile or a pagan. He was worse than that. He was a half-breed who defiled their true religion. Now, along with this spiritual rejection, there also grew political hostility and opposition. So the Samaritans began to write to the Persian kings and ask them to command these Jews to stop building. And Nehemiah also tells us a story where the grandson of the high priest at that time marries a daughter of Sanbalat, who was one of the rulers of Samaria. And Nehemiah gets so angry with him that he drives this grandson out of, of his province. And according to the historian Josephus, Sanballat, the Nehemiah's opponent, builds a temple on Mount Gerizim where his son-in-law could function. Apparently, this is when the full break between Jews and Samaritans took place. So they erected a rival temple on Mount Gerizim, which was later destroyed by a Jewish king. And they established their center of worship as this temple in Mount Gerizim. They claimed that this was where Moses originally intended for them to worship. They had their own unique version of the first five books written by Moses, and they rejected the writings of the prophets and the Jewish traditions. After the Jew, their temple at Gerizim was destroyed, they built another one at Shechem which was also destroyed by the Jews who destroyed and ravaged their territory in 108 BC. Now around the time of Jesus' birth, a band of Samaritans profaned the temple in Jerusalem by scattering the bones of dead people in the sanctuary. This enmity between the Jews and the Samaritans was so deep and it was so bitter and it continued all the way up to the time of Christ. So much so that the word tells us the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. They hated one another and they rejected one another. Where is Samaria today? Just for information, today Samaria is located in what is now called, what is now the Northern West Bank in Israel. Several hundred Samaritans still live in Israel and continue to practice their faith centered on the Pentateuch and on Mount Gerizim. So the Jews and the Samaritans had a long history of rejecting one another. But theirs is also the story of hundreds of thousands of other people groups, families, individuals that reject each other on the basis of how they look, 
how they speak, what they eat, what they wear, and what they believe. They're divided by these invisible walls of separation. For the Jew, his neighbor would only be someone who is like him, who believed what he believed and lived how he lived. But was that really what God wanted? Did God was God happy with the way the Jews and the Samaritans had such hostility towards one another? How do we relate to people that are not like us? It's not just our worldview that matters. How hard is it for me to connect to someone who is different from me? And what does God think about it? All through the New Testament, we see Jesus had encounters with the Samaritans, which tells us that God was not happy with the hostility, that God was reaching out to Jew and Samaritan alike. So let's just run through this story in John chapter 4, where Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. So John chapter 4 verses 1 tells us, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Why did Jesus have to pass through Samaria? He was moving from Jerusalem in the south to Galilee in the north. And the word tells us that he needed to go through Samaria not because it was the most common route, neither was it the only route to go into, into the north, into Galilee. Because of the Jewish hostilities towards the Samaritans, the Hebrews would usually travel east, cross over the Jordan and skirt Samaritan territory if they had to travel to Galilee. Samaritans were known to attack travelers from Judea. But Jesus did not hesitate to traverse Samaritan territory. His need to travel was not as much distance as much as to fulfill his ministry there. His movements were not haphazard, but he heard from the Father what he should do, where he should go, how he should go, and why he should go. And he was passing through Samaria because the Father was sending him on a mission to reach out to one woman that God wanted to have an encounter with. So he was going through Samaria as a part of his mission to reach the lost, and he was and he had a plan to bring the kingdom of heaven and to breach this this gap that was there for centuries between the Jews and the Samaritans through this encounter so jesus was breaking judean customs judean sentiments by passing through samaria now what are some of the samarias that the lord may be wanting us to go into as we listen i want us to think about the people groups or the the people that we are stay we stay away from or that we we are hesitant because we think that they're so different from us that they're my samaria can't go near them but the lord may have a mission for you may have a place for you for for them to have an encounter with christ so the word tells us that traveling all day jesus was weary from his journey and he sits down by jacob's well a woman of Samaria comes to draw water and Jesus knew this was the mission. And Jesus says to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Jews eating food touched or handled by Samaritans was like eating swine's flesh. 
So even the fact that the disciples had gone out into a town of Samaria to buy food was an evidence of how being with Jesus had softened their hearts and their attitudes towards the Samaritans. Now when Jesus sees this woman at the well and when she's approaching him he knows that she's a Samaritan woman not just was she someone that he would reject being a Jew but she was a reject of the Samaritans as well so she was a reject of the rejects she was the bottom of the barrel she was the the least in the kingdom if you can say that and she was the one that Jesus was intending an encounter with she was the one that Jesus was sent for and she was the one that he came looking for in that in that town of samaria now when she came when he sees her and he asks her for a drink even that action of jesus is to reach out to her and say give me water to drink was bridging a gap of centuries for this woman she did not expect him to even sit near the well with her when she came near she probably expected him to run away but here he was the king of kings the lord of lords reaching out to this reject of rejects and saying give me a drink of water the woman is shocked and she asks him in verses 9 how is it that you being a jew ask a drink from me a samaritan woman for jews have no dealings with the samaritan she said there is this wall between us how can you break that wall and ask me for water there are, there is hostility there is animosity between us that has gone down for centuries and you are breaking that to ask me for water you see jesus zeroed in to the greatest need of the human heart and that is the need for acceptance every one of us is born with this need we are created with the need to be accepted and to be loved but yet every one of us has been in a place of rejection i am sure there's not one person that is listening to me today that has not experienced rejection in some form or the other by people we know by people we don't know by people we love or people we don't love rejection is a common phenomena that happens to every single one of us but jesus sees this woman as one created in the image of his father who was suffering the pain of being rejected by so many people and being used and abused over and over again so jesus answers her and says if you knew the gift of god and who it is that says to you give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water in response jesus said you don't know what i have with me you don't know who i am and what i can give you and he says if you would instead ask me i would give you another kind of water living water that if you drink of it you are not going to thirst again she saw jesus thirsty for water but jesus sees in her this huge thirst for acceptance jesus saw in her someone suffering with pain of rejection and someone who had such a great need for acceptance the water that only he had to give her you see every one of us experiences rejection in life michael jackson said this to his rabbi friend 
Everything I have ever done to hone my skills and craft was an effort to feel loved because I never felt loved. He went on to say he lived for his father's approval and acceptance. Being on the receiving end of rejection causes a cascade of emotional and cognitive consequences researchers have found. It affects people so badly. Social rejection increases anger, anxiety, depression, jealousy, sadness. It reduces your performance on difficult intellectual tasks. It contributes to aggression and poor impulse control. Physically, too, rejection takes a toll and all of this is scientific research. People who routinely feel excluded have poorer sleep quality and their immune systems don't function as well as those of people with strong social connections. When we are hurt emotionally, when we are rejected, the same reaction occurs in us internally as if we are physically being attacked. Our mental and emotional states are looking to move away from the hurtful person or situation, just like a person under attack. As researchers dug deeper into the roots of rejection, they have found surprising evidence that the pain of being excluded is not so different from the pain of physical injury. Functional MRI studies of the brain show that the same areas of the brain become activated when we experience rejection as when we experience physical pain. This is why rejection hurts so much. So as far as your brain is concerned, you might as well have a broken arm as having a broken heart. God has created us that way. He's created us for acceptance and love. And the pain of rejection affects the same part of your brain that breaking an arm can affect, which is why people struggle with the pain of rejection all over the world. And yet we don't know how to deal with it and how to be healed. Now, every one of us also rejects people that are not like us. Not only are we victims of rejection, but most often people that have been rejected, we end up rejecting others. The Jews rejected the Samaritans. In return, the Samaritans reject the Jews. Everyone that is rejected will end up rejecting. So every one of us has been through rejection. Every one of us also rejects others that are not like us. We may all produce different fruits of rejection. Now, some of the fruits, though we all may go through similar experiences, of course, some much worse than others, there are different fruits that can come out of experiences of rejection. One of the fruits is worry. We are rejected, we get insecure as to who all can reject us again, who all can inflict the same kind of pain upon us again. We get insecure even in God's love and we begin to worry. We're not sure about the future. Another response, another fruit of rejection is anger. Anger at those who reject you, anger at, at yourself, anger at the situation, anger at God who made uh, allowed that to happen. And anger makes you reject others so that again, people don't want to be around you and you get rejected even more. So the cycle just seems to go on. Another fruit of rejection is self-pity. Feel sorry for yourself. Oh, this happened to me. This always happens to me. 
how come they didn't call or talk to me how come they didn't like my post how come they didn't share my post on facebook you know even the whole the social media scenario today it's all about how many people liked me and how many people loved me and how they responded it's this craving and need for acceptance that the world is is going after people are are losing their lives in the number of likes the number of dislikes there is a huge craving for acceptance in every heart which jesus zeroed into when he saw that woman at the well another fruit of rejection is denial you say i don't need them i don't care what they did nobody can affect me we deny the fact that we've been through pain or we've been through rejection we're too afraid to face up to it and say yes that hurt yes that has affected me and we live in denial of whatever happened i don't care it doesn't affect me it doesn't bother me that's another wrong fruit of rejection another response is revenge where we desire to get back at those who rejected us begin to scheme and devise ways to how i can get my revenge on them and make sure that they feel exactly what they did to me so many people are living even today in the pain of past rejection they recount those experiences of rejection over and over again in their hearts it may have happened decades ago but they relive it every time as if it just happened yesterday and every time we relive that pain of rejection we are giving it more and more power over us only the love of jesus has the power to heal the heart and to heal rejection in john 4 and verses 11 the woman tells him when listening to jesus's remarks that if she would just ask him he would have given her real water so she looks at him and says you don't even have a bucket you don't have anything to give me water in where are you going to draw the water out of sir you have nothing to draw with the well is deep where then do you get that living water are you greater than our father jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock jesus answered and said to her whoever drinks of this water will thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that i shall give him will never thirst but the water that i shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life jesus knew that his love was the only thing that would satisfy the thirst of this woman he knew that he only had the living water to give her through his love that could satisfy her and not to satisfy he said the water that i will give you will become in you a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life jesus not only had the power to heal her but he knew that his love had the power to make this woman a blessing for many others in your rejection an encounter with jesus will not only heal you but has the power in it to make you a blessing and that is god's desire so many of us are living in the pain of rejection that we are not meant to be living in the love of jesus is available for us to receive and to be healed and not just that as we drink of his love as we drink of his healing he intends for us to go out and be a blessing to many many others the woman tells him 
listening to his description of this amazing water says sir give me this water that i may not thirst nor come here to draw okay this water sounds really exciting i want it and i want it and i i'm i'm hoping that i won't have to come here in this hot sun every single day to draw water but jesus was talking about another kind of water so he tells her okay go call your husband and come here the woman answered and said i have no husband jesus said to her you have well said i have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one whom you have now is not your husband in that you spoke truly jesus sees and knows the worst things you ever did he saw the worst of her he saw her the way that god sees every one of us everything that she had done was visible to his eyes but yet he reached out to her and he said if you are willing you can get to drink of the living water many of us will have things in our lives stories in our hearts that we may think no one knows but jesus knows and sees and does not reject you for what he sees in your heart but if you are willing you can drink of the living water be healed be free and go out to be a blessing the woman tells him sir i perceive that you are a prophet so now she gets down to the nitty gritty of what was separating jew and samaritan so she feels exposed because this man is suddenly telling her everything that she's ever done so she brings in this issue that the jews and samaritans were always dealing with where do you worship do you worship on jerusalem or do you worship on mount gerizim so she says our, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you jews say that in jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship and jesus brings to her the greatest revelation of worship of the kingdom of heaven that he has had not even revealed to his disciples he reveals it to this reject of rejects he reveals it to this woman of samaria he tells her woman believe me the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in jerusalem worship the father you worship what you do not know we know what we worship for salvation is of the jews but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him god is a spirit those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth jesus says it's not going to be jerusalem and it's not going to be gerizim the kingdom of heaven is here the kingdom of heaven is at hand and it does not matter which mountain you're going to be worshiping with because the father has been searching not for the jewish worshipers or the samaritan worshipers he has been looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth that is what the father really wants Jesus broke the Jerusalem Gerizim debate and got her to encounter the kingdom of heaven. The power of an encounter with Jesus is what every one of us needs. And I and as as I'm ministering I just pray and believe that the Holy Spirit will be digging deep into many of our hearts about places of rejection in our lives. Places that every one of us have have faced rejection in the past and some of you are still living in your pain of rejection some of those incidences have happened many many years ago but you are unable to come out of it you are unable to break free that incident that rejection has so much power over not just your today 
but it is going to affect your tomorrow as well. And I want to speak to you and tell you that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the living water. You need to be willing to let go of some of those things. You need to let go of those shackles. You need to let go of that rejection and stop giving it power over your life. And you need to receive the love and the acceptance of Christ Jesus. Jesus loves you. It doesn't matter who, where, when, why people rejected you. The love of Jesus is enough to satisfy the longing in your hearts for acceptance. Amen. The power of an encounter with Jesus. And we'll see how this transforms this woman from this afraid, isolated, rejected woman into a, a carrier of the truth and the love of God. When she asked Jesus for the water, he responded and tells her, bring your husband in. And when she realized that he had the, that, that he had words of eternal life, he tells her, she tells, she tells him that we're waiting for the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, he's going to explain all of this to us. He's going to make everything clear. And Jesus directly, one of the few times that he directly revealed himself was to this woman. He said, I who speak to you am he. I am the Messiah you're waiting for. Listening to this, this woman runs back. She leaves her, her, her pot. She just runs back into Samaria into the place where the people had rejected her lived, she goes straight back to them and she begins to tell them, come see what I have found. See the Messiah, I found him. He told me everything I ever did, even things that you don't know. And you can imagine there would, there would have probably been so many stories about this woman circulating in Samaria. But she said, there's someone who told me everything I ever did and I believe he's the Messiah. She goes back to her, to her rejectors and she goes back to them with the love of God. You see, the kingdom of heaven goes beyond all the barriers that we as human beings raise up. It breaks barriers of race, color, creed, tongue and unites us by a force that is not of this world, the love of God. She went to tell the people who rejected her that she found the Messiah. And once we are healed of our rejection, I believe we can go out, even to the people that rejected us, to be a healing even to them. And I believe that is God's desire. He said, the water in you is going to become not just for your own thirst, it's going to be a fountain of everlasting life. Have you been rejected in places? Can you believe that if you will drink of the water that Jesus gives of his love, not just are you going to be healed, but that water in you will Become a fountain that so many people, even the ones who rejected you, will come and drink of and find everlasting life. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. This was something that was unthinkable for the Jews. To live two days with the Samaritans, eating with them, drinking with them. But that is what Jesus did. Because of that woman and because of her encounter at the well. This is what God desires. And this is the power of God's love. The power to transform a life. This woman became the reason for the salvation of a whole town. They said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. 
Jesus came to establish something new. This whole, he destroyed the whole Jerusalem-Gerizim debate. And he was ushering in a new era. But they had to be willing to let go of their Gerizim, their Gerizim as their mountain. And the Jews had to be willing to let go of Jerusalem as their place. What do you need to let go of? What rejection are you holding on to? That the Holy Spirit is asking you, can you let go of that? Can you give that up? Because a lot of the worry, a lot of the anger, the fear, the the rejection, the pain, the, the things you may be showing fruits of may have their roots in some of these things that you are you are unaware that it is bearing all kinds of fruits in your life. There are other instances where Jesus talks about or mentions interactions with the Samaritans that again tell us the the power of, of what he actually did with the woman at the well. For example, in Luke 9 verses 51 and 54, it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. Now this was towards the end of his ministry. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers before his face and as they went, They entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? This brought up all the old hostility and all the anger that that James and John had towards the Samaritans because it was the end of his journey. He'd already ministered among the Samaritans. But here was another town that was rejecting him that says, we don't want you to come inside our town because you are going to Jerusalem. And James and John were inflamed at that. And they said, Lord, let's call down fire upon these people who are rejecting us. He turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but he came to save them. And they went to another village. Till then, all the disciples had seen was to pour out wrath and anger and hostility upon these Samaritans. But Jesus was showing them the new rules of engagement to those who rejected them. They would not need to retaliate anymore. Because the spirit in them was now one of salvation and of reconciliation. What spirit do you operate in when you are rejected? Do you want to pray fire and brimstone on the people that are rejecting you? Maybe not on the outside, but on the inside. Are you, are you seeing them just being destroyed by the hand of God? That the Lord would punish those wicked evildoers. Do you know the spirit that is within you? Is it a spirit of reconciliation or is it a spirit of vengeance? After being with Jesus all these years, Jesus rebukes James and John. He says, haven't you got it yet? Don't you know the spirit that is supposed to be in you? How do we respond to rejection? Even today, let me assure you, you will still go through experiences of of rejection and you will continue to be rejected till the day you die. Because rejection is a part of this world. Every one of us will experience it in different ways and in different forms. But how does the kingdom of heaven want you to respond? By calling down fire and brimstone or by responding in a spirit of reconciliation and love? Do you know 
the spirit that is within you. It is a spirit to bring salvation. It is a spirit that will bring peace. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy. I have come to save lives. These years of everything that has gone on between Jew and Samaritan ends now because the kingdom of heaven has come. We go on in Luke's in Luke chapter 10, which is the very next chapter. So here's Jesus rejected by the Samaritans. And in Luke 10, we hear a parable and where there was a certain lawyer in verses 25 who stood up to test Jesus. And he said, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus asks him back, what's written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, he was a lawyer. He was well, uh, he was educated in the things of, of the word of God. So he said, you shall love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, so Jesus replied, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But he wasn't satisfied with that. He, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So we see the, the attitude of his heart. He first wanted to test Jesus. And secondly, he wanted to justify himself. He didn't really desire to do what was the heart of God. He wanted, to, he wanted God to say yes to what he was doing. So willing to justify himself, he tells Jesus, but who is my neighbor? You know, who should I love? And then we know that Jesus goes into the parable of what we know as the good Samaritan where a man was traveling from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked and firstly a priest passes down the road and passes on the other side, clean ignores this man that was lying there hurt and wounded, half dead. Then a Levite, all of them proclaimers of, of Yahweh, proclaimers, teachers of the truth. When the, when the Levite came, he also sees the man and passes by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion, went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. How dare he elevate a Samaritan and make him better than a priest and a Levite whom, whom they considered as the most spiritual. You see, Jesus was targeting their mindsets. He was targeting their hatred against the Samaritans. So he saw the heart of this, this young lawyer and he thought, who's the worst possible person in this person's heart? Let me help him to see that there is no one that I can call a reject. No one that I can say, everyone else I will help, but this one person I won't. So he equates an, the Samaritan to, to the one that did what was right in the story. And then he says, on the next day, he departed. So how the Samaritan takes care of him. And then Jesus asked the lawyer, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? He wasn't talking about who was the Samaritan's neighbor, but who was the neighbor of that man who was attacked? If you were the man journeying from Jerusalem to Jericho and you would get attacked, who would be your neighbor? If a Samaritan helped you, he is your neighbor. He's the one that you need to love. So Jesus brought down all their walls that divided them and kept them. We are Jews. They are Samaritans. We are good. They are not. We are like this. They are like that. You see, Jesus was just crushing all of that down. And he was, he was saying, he was saying the kingdom of heaven is beyond all of this. The kingdom of heaven is who shows mercy? 
who shows the nature and the character of god he is the one he is your your neighbor he is the one that represents who god is on the earth so the good samaritan was a when when the jews heard it the sentiments it evoked in them were far more than that we may understand today because of the generations of hatred that went on between them so this was luke 10 and we see in luke 17 and verses 11 onwards jesus gives us another connect with samaria it happened as he went to jerusalem that he passed through the midst of samaria and galilee then as he entered a certain village there met him 10 men who were lepers who stood afar off and they lifted up their voices and said jesus master have mercy on us so when he sees them jesus tells them go show yourselves to the priests and while they were going they got healed and one of them came back he came back when he saw that he was healed returned and with a loud voice glorified god and fell down on his face at jesus' feet giving him thanks and the word tells us and he was a samaritan the consequence of of the love of jesus where jesus did not keep this man away though he was a samaritan but jesus saw that even in the samaritan that the jews hated there was this heart of thanksgiving and jesus actually applauds this man and tells him your faith has made you well christ came to break down dividing walls even in the book of ephesians we see in chapter 2 verses 11 how jesus came to break down dividing walls that separated jew gentile color creed or anything else that has is powerful enough to separate the enemy wants to build up dividing walls but the gospel wants to pull down dividing walls ephesians chapter 2 verses 14 said he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition of separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances to create in himself one new man from the two where jew and gentile were brought together as one new person thus making peace jesus is the greatest peacemaker jesus is the great the love of jesus is the greatest force and power on the face of this earth to heal and to reconcile and after his death and his resurrection jesus did not forget the samaritans in acts chapter 1 verses 8 we see again that jesus is mentioning the samaritans he says but you shall receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in jerusalem in all judea and in samaria and to the ends of the earth they would be witnesses in jerusalem and in samaria jesus knew that once the kingdom of heaven has come all the war will end because of the love of the his love that would work through the disciples in acts chapter 8 and verses 1 we see at that time a great persecution arose against the church which was at jerusalem and they were all scattered throughout the regions of judea and samaria except the apostles so after the persecution came even the disciples who were once jews ran into the regions of samaria for safety they were no longer afraid of they were no longer hostile to the samaritans acts 9 verses 31 then the churches throughout all judea galilee and samaria had peace 
and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Just to close with, Jesus could have chosen anyone to be the character of the good neighbor in his parable, but he didn't. He chose a Samaritan. He reached to the very bottom of the barrel in the Jewish way of thinking. He chose the most despised to make the point that God is not impressed by what race you were born to, what parents you were born to, what family name, what, what riches you may have. As the sovereign of the universe, he is less than impressed by your position, your status, whether it's secular or religious. And it must be downright humorous to the angels looking down from the splendor of heaven to hear human beings talking about the rich and famous of this world. God is impressed when he sees his own character demonstrated in the life of one of his creatures. That is what really impresses God. God is not impressed by the things that impress man. Jesus came to break down dividing walls. And I believe that this morning God is calling us as a church to do the same. He's calling us as a church to walk free from rejection, to walk out of the past and to go out to be a blessing, to reach out into the places that, that we think they are the rejects or they are my Samaritans. But God is going to equip us to be a blessing to Judea, to Jerusalem, to Samaria and to the ends of the, of the earth. Let the love of Jesus just fill our hearts that we would all be healed of our rejection and we would go out and be a blessing to the world around us. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wscc.in.